Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we're going to do something a little bit different here over the next several episodes. I'm not even sure how many it's going to be because we've had a lot of response to this. But the situation going on in Afghanistan is obviously insane. It should be dominating the news. It is dominating the news until you get little pockets of COVID news here or there. But this is a start of a series called Botching Afghanistan, where we've invited a lot of alums of the podcast that have at least a tangential relationship to the situation going on in Afghanistan to come on and give their very, very short thoughts on this. So, um, guys, these interviews are going to be like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Maybe some of them will be a little bit longer. But these are just quick hitters from people. And there's no better place to start this than with Holly McKay. So Holly McKay is an alum of this podcast. She was on episode 188, but she is an author, a journalist, a war correspondent, a humanitarian, and she's the best-selling author of Only Cry for the Living, Memos from Inside the ISIS Battlefield. But she was on the ground and has been on the ground in Afghanistan for the last several weeks. She actually got to watch this situation deteriorate on the ground in real time. So she's in a, a bit of a precarious situation right now in that she's an American citizen, you know, an Australian native, but an American citizen, and she can't get out of Afghanistan. I just spoke with her last night. Can't really talk about where she was or any of the, the other stuff that we talked about, but I just want to go ahead and get into these comments. And guys, we're not going to do our normal outro with this series, so we're not going to do the quick resilience boost. I will have the show notes there. You've got to follow Holly on Substack. You've got to follow her on Instagram, and I've also got links to her website and her books and all that kind of stuff. So you will have those links available to you, but we're just going to get right into these content, right into this content. I'm not even going to be doing this long of an intro on the subsequent episodes with our guests that we have coming up, but without further ado, let's get into it. Holly McKay, thank you for coming back on Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. I know that's been a crazy week for you, crazy several weeks for you. So I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of space here to talk to our viewers and give us a little bit of an update as to kind of what you've been seeing on the ground there in Afghanistan, because you've been experiencing it, whereas we're all just looking at it on Twitter. So what's going on in Afghanistan? What have you been saying? Well, as we can see, Afghanistan's been, you know, at war for 20 years. But what we've really seen since President Biden announced that the U.S. troops were going to be leaving early this year is just an incredible escalation of violence. And just the amount of, of territory that the Taliban was able to quickly seize, it was just very dizzying and mind blowing. And then when I got into country, I could not have imagined that really just within a week they would would be in power. I just... If someone had told me that a couple of weeks ago, I would have thought they were absolutely crazy. And especially when I came in, uh, things were really normal. And Afghanistan is really one of my favorite places in the world. And in Kabul, everybody was out and, and just living their life and, and working. And obviously, the situation was very tense and people had uh, uh, big concerns about what was going to happen when the U.S. withdrawal was complete at the end of the month. But other than that, um, life went on and, and you couldn't have imagined that that this would, would crumble this way. And it was really just this massive domino effect as soon as they started to take some of the provincial capitals. That's when we really needed, uh, saw everything just, just fall. And um, I think it really just shows you how quickly life can go from normal and then you know, within 30, you know, literally can be 30, 30 minutes and you're being plunged back into the dark ages and all the rights that you fought for and the education that you acquired and... Um, you know, the person that you were for the past two decades, that that person no longer exists. And 
it's just been a really heartbreaking thing to wrap my head around. So I was obviously following you on Instagram for the last several weeks. Everything looked, looked great. Looked like you were having a good time. Was there a flashpoint? Was there an exact moment in time where you could sense, you know, everybody was tense and on edge and at least being, you know, aware of their situation, but where it's like, Oh no, things are out of control. Yeah. I think for me, and, and I was working in the North of the country with my photographer, Jake, and we both spent a lot of time here and and in different uh, conflict zones. And one thing I always stress is you, you develop a certain intuition about things and, and things happen and you can't always put your finger on it. And there's sometimes no real um, you know, route that you can see at the time to why you feel the way that you feel. Um, but, but we were in the North and we had a great time and, and we, you know, just really lapping up, you know, street photography and talking to, to different people that had fled Taliban zones and, and everything was sort of great. And then really within 24 hours, things started to shift. You could see people lining up at the banks, trying to get money out. And yet at the same time, I was also talking to a lot of uh, sources that I had within government, military, on all sides of the spectrum. And basically they were sort of assuring me that everything was fine and that, you know, the the places were going to hold and everybody was fighting to the teeth. So I I guess maybe a little bit naively really, you know, believed that they, they must have solid information on this. And you felt that shift, I think, really it came down to, that the afternoon or a few hours before the takeover happened and, and there'd sort of been a rumour um, about, about the group breaching one of the, the three sort of front lines and then we had a, a taxi driver that we were trying to get to sort of take us to, to see some displaced people and he, he basically said no, or he was too scared. And we were thinking, you know, why is this guy scared? You know, what, is, what are we missing? Um, and we went out to get some dinner and the streets were just dead and, you know, we're, we were at a place that we always go to and suddenly the television, which normally plays all these crazy, funny soap operas, it was turned off and it was just dead quiet. And we sort of looked at each other and we're like, something's not right. And, um, yeah, we both agreed to quickly leave and we left and, you know, that was fortunate timing because had we stayed any longer, it could have been a precarious situation because, um, you know, immediately some, some men and motorcycles came in and, and that was the Taliban and that was their very uh, smooth takeover of, of the area. So here stateside, obviously the narrative is king. So you have one side of the narrative saying, you know, everything is Joe Biden's fault and, you know, the current administration. Then you have the other side that's trying to put blame all the way back on Bush, but at least Trump. Uh, There's a lot of blame to go around right now. People blaming the Afghan army. It's like, hey, at some point you got to fight for yourself. But from what you're seeing on the ground, what are the people saying? Are they disappointed in their own countrymen and in the young men that are supposed to be protecting them? Are they disappointed in America? Is it a hodgepodge of both? I think it's a hodgepodge. I think most people recognize that there isn't one person to blame in this, uh, that there are multiple factors that contributed to this. And you can't, you can't really peg the blame on, on one particular person. Um, but, but yeah, I do feel very strongly um, at the end of the day that the sort of the final announcement for that withdrawal did lie with our commander in chief, which is president Biden. And I feel very strongly that that wasn't a decision that you know, it was sort of a time-based decision rather than a condition-based decision. And I just felt, I feel very confused why the lack of preparation, I mean, clearly the United States has not been prepared for this onslaught. If you've seen the footage of, of these poor Afghans, you know, falling from planes and flooding the airport and my heart breaks for them because they do have genuine reason to be concerned. But why this wasn't sort of taken into account and, and how the U.S. missed the ball so much in, in being prepared for this. But 
and really the doubling down of this being the right decision. I'm I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why that that you know the president is sticking to that narrative, but. I think we can all see that this is an absolute colossal failure, far worse than anything, you know, even Saigon style. And just my heart breaks for the Afghan people because, you know, it's always the ordinary people that suffer. And what we've seen is a lot of the leadership and the warlords and everybody else, you know, cut deals and ran before they were made public and are living safely in other countries, uh, real acts of cowardice, if you ask me. Mm. And meanwhile, it's the Afghan people who were left to, to suffer and the Afghan people who, who supported the United States and supported our allies and, and really believed in this dream of, of freedom and democracy and how quickly that was stripped from them. And as much as I, I can really recognize that we can't, we can't, you know, the war had gone on for long enough and the US had paid a lot of uh, blood and treasure in this war. I don't think it was the right decision to have made right now. And, and if we look at the history, um, it was, was it the US troops that were out there in the combat? It was the Afghans that were fighting and there was a huge amount of problems that needed to be restructured. And I don't know really that they could have been um, the government, the centralized system could have been changed, but I think any sort of effort and outcome could have been better than, you know, what we've seen now, which is that the Taliban controls more of the country, pretty much all of it, than they did uh, a 9-11. And so 9-11 is going to be a celebration for them. And I think that should that should be a, a really sad moment for, for Americans. And for it's sad. Allies. Yeah, it's sad. It's frustrating. It's, it's unbelievable even here as a civilian. But I know you got to go here in just a few minutes. So just, I guess, the last question, because a lot of your followers and a lot of my followers that know I know you are like, hey, what's going on? So for you as an American citizen, are you in a place where you're safe now? What is happening with Americans that are on the ground that have basically been told, hey, shelter in place, there's nothing we can do for you? That's pretty much the situation right now. I think, um, especially after Kabul, Kabul fell, it, it's been pandemonium, absolute dizzying pandemonium. Um, so this, the best thing we can do now is just kind of stay put as the US government uh, formulates its plans and, and tries to work things out a little bit. Um, but I feel I feel quite safe and, um, and in a good place. And yeah, this is uh, an unfortunate part of, you know, the work that we do, but I feel very strongly about needing to have been here and to tell the stories of the Afghan people because that is a semblance of justice to them. And, and I wish I could put into words to you how wonderful the Afghan people are and, and um, that there's so much more to this, this country and, and these people than war and conflict. They're the sort of people that will, will give you the food off their back and I mean, give the clothes off their back and give you the last piece of bread and will take care of you and, um, you know, even in the lead up to this, it was, I saw very anti-American, I saw very little anti-American sentiment. It was more just, how do I get to America? Please help me. Um, and, and what we're abandoning these people to um, is a really sad, it's a sad day for me. Yeah, I think it's absolutely incredible to hear these people that still want to come to the land of opportunity, even though there's really no way for them to. So last question here, what, if anything, can we do to help? Because there are GoFundMes that are popping up, and I'm always a little bit skittish about those. But for you on the ground, what can people do to help? Uh, well, right now, um, you know, there are a lot of great organizations that I <clears throat> uh, put a lot of weight into. I, uh, the ICRC is always doing great things. Um, and then local ones. And I'm going to, uh, if you subscribe to my Substack as well, that uh, I will do a post kind of showing you which uh, organizations have, you know, the least overhead and the best ones to support. So uh, check that out. And I'm working on that now. And um, yeah, just, uh, and really just keep the Afghans in, in your thoughts and, um, and we can just hope for the best. 
Absolutely. We'll certainly be praying for you and we'll get those links and make sure that they're in the show notes. Holly, thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you for having me.